Welcome to This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Now is your chance to get caught up in all that's happening in technology around Akron and the rest of the world. Now here's your host, Gene Destro. This week, tech challenges and opportunities related to the coronavirus. First, a conversation with John Gray, who's the CEO of Akron-based RVShare.com, which has been experiencing unprecedented growth as people desperate to go on vacation but afraid to fly or stay in hotels hit the road. The business has been growing and, and growing really fast since 2013. But this year has been just uh, really another level. So like most businesses, we struggled right at the beginning of the pandemic because nobody was booking leisure trips. So we kind of pivoted the business to doing relief bookings, you know, with doctors and critical infrastructure workers and, and folks like that. But then once parks started to open up and beaches started to open up, we saw a tremendous influx of, of bookings. We're now running at about three times where we were last year. We're less worried now about where we're going to find people to book RVs and more worried about getting enough RVs on the site for people to rent. Wow, that's amazing. So you mentioned about doctors and nurses and so forth, the the first line responders. How was it that they were using your site? So we did a partnership with a group that was really a, a wonderful group called RVs for MDs. And, and basically what they did is they just started a connecting service through Facebook to take people who had RVs and connect them with doctors who were looking to basically put an RV out in their driveway so they could come home after their shift, see their family, but not have to cross-contaminate, use the same bathrooms, those types of things. And we did a huge number of bookings during the pandemic with those guys. We also did some work with people who had medical trips out of state. You know, a lot of times if somebody has a medical appointment out of state, they'll just get a flight and fly there. But, you know, during the pandemic, they were renting RVs and, and still are and driving those to their out-of-state appointments. And then the last one is we've done a lot of work with, with utility companies who have to keep their critical infrastructure workers isolated at their facilities. And so we've done a bunch of bookings for those as well. Next, we look at one of the great challenges we're facing worldwide as a result of the pandemic, the need for billions of doses of COVID-19 vaccines, which, when they are actually ready, will need to be stored and shipped in little glass vials. And you'd think that's really no big deal, except there's a limited number of sand mines that supply the raw materials for glass around the world, and they're already struggling to meet current demands. So there have been some reports in the media lately about a so-called sand shortage. Well, that sounded serious and a little bit strange because, you know, there is a whole lot of sand out there and there are millions of tons of glass we could just recycle. So what's the problem? We asked University of Akron Chemistry Department Chairman Dr. Christopher Ziegler. Actually, it turns out we really don't have a shortage of the raw materials to make glass. Silicon and oxygen are the most abundant elements in the crust of the earth. And silicon dioxide, SiO2, is the primary component of glass. Um, SiO2 actually makes up about 95% of all minerals on the surface of the earth. Now, there is a sand shortage, but it's not due to lack of abundance. It's because we don't like to mine sand. Mining sand is environmentally disruptive. For example, if you had a beach, imagine stripping the beach of all of its sand for use in glass or in construction. People don't like that. Now, that being said, sand mining continues to be very common in the United States. 
It's a billion-dollar-a-year industry. There are very large mines in states like Texas and Illinois. So taking that part out of the equation, apparently Mm -hmm. there's plenty of sand. But what about recycling? How come we're not recycling more? And would an increase of recycling be an option? So for regular glass, certainly recycling glass is an option. And in fact, it can be a huge savings in both energy costs and also in reduction of greenhouse gases. So when we recycle glass, we turn it into a product called cullet. And every time we add 10% of cullet to a glass manufacturing, we lower the emissions of carbon dioxide by about 5%. So for every six tons of cullet that we use, you can cut one metric ton of carbon dioxide out of emissions. So it's in our interest to recycle. The big problem with recycling in the United States is that we're not very good at the process of recycling. And part of it's due to consumers, and part of it's due to cities. So cities, for example, like to have single-stream recycling collection. So you put all your recycling, all your paper, all your glass, any metal, in one container, and then the city has to separate it out later on. That makes it harder to get clean glass, which you can use in recycling. Also, this fault is with us as the consumers. We tend to be kind of lazy about cleaning our recycling, so, and we also throw things that we shouldn't in recycling bins organic matter, like maybe coffee grounds or or trash. And so that makes it harder for the waste companies to get pure glass. Now, with regard to the COVID pandemic problem, we're interested in making vials for storing and dispensing vaccines. The real problem there actually has nothing to do with recycling glass. The problem is that they use a different kind of glass in vials for medical purposes. They use a type of glass called borosilicate glass. Borosilicate glass is a tempered glass, which has a different elemental composition than regular glass. And in most times, there isn't a very large market for this type of glass. I use it in my laboratory. What it does is it allows the vial or the beaker or the jar to be heat resistant. So I can take a beaker made of borosilicate glass and I can heat it up to a couple hundred degrees Celsius and it won't break. Whereas if I took a beer bottle or a jam jar and tried to do the same thing, it would shatter. And so we need these kind of glasses when we want to store and transport things like serums or medications or vaccines. Now, normally there's not a very large market for these types of glass. And the companies that make them, they're used to sort of routine demand. And the big challenge is that now we have a situation where demand has increased. All these countries want to have millions of doses of vaccine available for their populations. And the companies that make borosilicate glass are going to have to ramp up their manufacturing to meet the need. And that's what they're trying to do right now. How come you have to have this particular glass that can withstand extreme temperatures? Why do you need that kind of glass for vials for vaccines? I mean, after you create a vaccine, you're not going to heat it up to a higher temperature, are you or are you? I mean, I don't understand why you need that kind of glass. So, You would need to have some temperature resistance because, of course, you might have to sterilize the vial, and also you might have to flame seal it. It's a great way to store medications. Also, these type of glass used in these vials are more chemically resistant. So in regular glass, they actually incorporate, it's called, regular glass is called soda lime glass, and it has the elements sodium and calcium incorporated. And they tend to be a little less chemically resistant 
than borosilicate glass. And what kind of chemicals do they need to be resistant against? Are we talking about like once you fill the vial with the vaccine, you want to maybe after they're transported, like spray them off with some sort of chemical to make sure the outside of the vial hasn't been contaminated? Is that it or something else? No. So the reason I mentioned chemical resistant is you don't want the glass actually reacting with the medication or the vaccine inside the vial. So we want us to be able to store that medication or vaccine for a long period of time. And if we have sodium or calcium present in the glass, that can leach into the medication and it can, in fact, you know, interact with it. So it usually happens at a very low level, of course. We, we don't see this happening, for example, with regular glasses that we have at home or beer bottles. But of course, when you're making a medication, you really are very concerned about purity and longevity. And so they simply use borosilicate glass as a precautionary measure to avoid any kind of interaction. So it sounds like to me, based on what you've said, kind of to recap, that one, there's an issue with the capacity of of mining, or at least the desire to do mining. And two, there's an issue with getting enough of the suppliers that make this particular kind of glass, getting them ramped up on time or with enough capacity as well. I would think it's really more the second point than the first point. I mean, if you think about it, the amount of glass used to make vials for medication is is very small relative to the glass we use for jam jars or beer bottles or window panes. And so there's plenty of raw material to make these borosilicate glass vials. However, the problem really is one of manufacturing. Normally, in a regular year, there is not a very large demand for these types of vaccine ampules. However, in the current environment with the COVID pandemic, we are going to have billions of people who are going to want to get vaccines. And so that means in addition to all the regular vaccines that we produce throughout the year, an additional many hundreds of millions and billions of vials. And so they have to basically ramp up production that they are not typically doing during a regular year. And that's it for now. Stay happy and healthy, and we'll see you again next week. That was This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Tune in next week for more tech news on 93.5-1590 WAKR and WAKR.net.